0: Hello again. It's good to see you all this morning. It's always a blessing for the opportunity to be able to be up here and uh, share the word of God. Um, I just wanted to say that it's been a blessing. I, it's hard to believe, but we're coming closer on four years since Alicia and I came to serve here at EBC. And I, I just want to thank you for your support for our family and support for us in our ministry uh, during this time. It's, it's, they say with student pastors that it's about the fourth or fifth year is kind of like the, the supposed to be kind of the golden years as you see some of those classes graduate and go through and I, I'd have to say that it certainly has, has felt like that as, as a church-wide that just feels like uh, but with student ministry especially I'm thankful for the student ministry the parents and the students that we have as a part of our ministry so it's, it's a very much of a blessing for Alicia and I to serve here at the church um, so we just finished our series with the book of Isaiah um, I was we were talking in our community group on Friday night just about how it was such a unique way of going through that book. I just really appreciated Pastor Aaron's just going through some of the major themes of that book as we uh, looked at a, just a, a varied uh, topics, and I, I'm very thankful for that series. It meant a lot to me, and I, I grew a lot in my understanding of prophecy and, and understanding of the, some of the things that, that Isaiah challenged us with, and so I was thankful that Pastor Aaron gave us that series. Um, before we get started this morning, would you go with, to me with prayer? Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to be in your house this morning. Uh, Lord, as we go to the act of worship, of opening of your word, uh, the hearing of your word, Lord, I just pray that you will help that you will you help me to, to step, a step aside and let your word to go forward this morning. Uh, Lord, there may be some some difficult topics that are brought up with this idea of submission this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to submit to you, to submit to your word Uh, and Lord, I just pray that as we go through that this will be an opportunity for us to really grow in our faith all together as we uh, study your word. Lord, again, I'm thankful for this church family. I thank you that uh, you have brought us here to Eureka Bible Church to serve, and I'm thankful for the many people in this church that serve so well in so many different ways. And uh, Lord, I just thank you for this church family and their support for our family over the past close to four years now. Lord, be with us now as we open up your word, as we talk about this topic of joyful submission. Lord, I pray that you will help us to think deeply. Pray this in your great and gracious name. Amen. So the word submission. I want that to hang for a minute. Submission. Uh, Many of us in this room hear that word, and you have all kinds of maybe different varied types of responses to that word. Submission. Now I looked up that word in the dictionary and there's different um, definitions for that word because there's different meanings for where the word submission comes up. So when I looked it up, one of the first things I saw in there was like MMA fighting where you make somebody submit so when you win the match, it's submission, you see that in there. I also saw the word, the idea of like if you're submitting a paper, like if you submit like to your professor, you have to submit that submission. But the one that, matters the most to us this morning is this. It's the idea of yielding control to a higher authority. That's what submission means. Yielding or submitting, yielding control to a higher authority. Often, that word is, the word submit or submission is a dirty word in our culture. We don't often like to submit, and when we do, we like to pick and choose where and when do we do that. Right, We don't like to submit, and even when we do, we like to pick and choose and have our own authority. We live in a culture that wants to be its own authority. We don't want to submit to anything. We want to be able to decide for ourselves who we are, what we're going to do, and when we're going to do it. So often, in the cultural sense, submission is a dirty word. But the biblical idea, the biblical idea of submission, let's start with what it's not. Submission in the biblical idea is neither controlling nor oppressive. It's not the idea of taking control of somebody or being oppressive to them and and having full authority and taking control of them. That's not what what submission is about. It is about clearly yielding. Remember that word from the dictionary definition, yielding our trust to a loving God, yielding to his will, to his word, and submitting to everything he calls us in his word and who he is to be. So this morning, I want us to be reminded about the fact that not only are we called to submit to God and his word and also to certain people in our lives, but we are called to do it in a joyful manner. We are not to grit our teeth at it. We're not to just do it because we're supposed to do it. We do it joyfully because that is the way that God has designed it to be. So that is what we're going to talk about this morning as we think about the idea of joyful submission. Uh, If you wouldn't mind putting up that first quote... Um, So there's a a quote behind me that um, comes from John Walvoord, who was a a theologian um, that passed away years ago. This is the quote that he has to say about submission. He says, this attitude of complete submission and complete trust is, of course, the key to working out our own salvation in fear and trembling and is the mark of truly spiritual Christians. I like that quote, and I, I like the idea that he comes here, and he even infuses a Bible verse into there, right? Philippians chapter 2, 12, and 13 talks about working out your own salvation in fear and trembling. So you see, that, that is part of our Christian life. The world around us may see submission as a dirty word, as something we don't need, and it's, it's unnecessary for us, but the Bible Christians are called to submit in many different forms. And so part of being a Christian is this attitude of complete submission and complete trust in him. But how do we know? How do we know how to define that? How do we know how to define what biblical submission looks like? Well, who else to look to is the example but Jesus Christ himself, right? He is the example for how we submit. The when and how, the why, all of that comes from the life the death, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first passage of Scripture, and I'm promising you this morning, we're going to be kind of a little bit of a Bible drill because we're going to be looking at some Bible verses. But we're going to start with John chapter 1, verse 14, as we look at the idea of the example of Jesus' submission. So John chapter 1, verse 14. The Apostle Paul John writes, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the first moment, like one of the first ways we can see this morning of, of how Jesus set the example of submission was his incarnation, right? The fact that Jesus came to this earth. So many of any of the other religions, you don't see a desire or a want. In fact, they would see it as a negative thing that our God would want to come and lower himself and in become part of us, like us, as fully human, that he do that. That's not something that is normal. That is something that is special. And so you see here that Jesus willingly and obediently followed the Father's will for salvation through the gospel message by coming down to live on this earth. And so Jesus sets the example from the very beginning. As he becomes fully human, he submits to the will of the Father to come down here to live among us, to be fully human, to To die, as we will mention here in a moment. but So we see clearly at the beginning there, John chapter 1, verse 14. Then moving over to Philippians chapter 2, uh, we'll be in verses 6 and 7. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul writes, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So again, you see the submission of Jesus, that he sets aside some of his equality and placement as he comes to this earth as fully human. He's fully God and fully human. It wasn't that he just like for a short time took that on. He is fully human. He was obedient to God's will by giving himself up, right? He gave himself up on the cross for our sins. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39 He moves and this is one of the most poignant passages in all of Scripture that I see of the submission of Jesus Christ. This is when he's in the garden, when he's praying in Gethsemane, as he knows that the time has come for him to lay down his life. So this is Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Powerful words of Jesus' submission to the Father. and The fact that he knew the pain and the suffering that he was about to endure on our behalf. But he knew that he must do this because this is the Father's will. He was obedient to the will of the Father. It says in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, that Jesus... Basically, learned obedience through suffering. So when he was on earth, he understood the idea of obedience, of submission because of his suffering, that what he went through. And that's often an example that he can set for us. So you see here, Jesus sets the example for us in the scriptures about the idea of submission. He lays down the great the groundwork. And to be honest with you, a lot of us don't like to submit. And in some of the areas that we're getting ready to talk to very specifically on how uh, God desires for us to submit on earth, it's, a lot of the problem is is because we don't have that foundation of understanding what Jesus has done for us, what, how Jesus set the example for us by the way he submitted to the Father. What a great example for us in all of these passages that we just read of what Jesus does for us by giving us an example about, about what it means to submit. So there's a lot of ways that people view submission, but we are called as Christians to be Christ-like. So being Christ-like means we submit like him. He, sets the, he set the example while he was on earth, and he's, he's by sacrificing to the will of the Father. We are called to give all of our lives over to God. We are to fully trust. We are to fully submit. Now, we're going to sin and we're going to mess up. We're not always going to be able to do that. But our our standard, what we're trying to get at, where we're always trying to go is always fully putting our trust and submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ. D.L. Moody says, Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. One good reminder to us this morning that, he, that God desires for us to allow him to control and, and dictate our life because he can do more of it than we could ever believe that we could do. So we understand kind of that underlying foundation of what it means to submit. We know that we are called to follow Jesus' example, to submit to God and submit to his word. But the Bible also teaches us, under that foundation, that we are called to submit horizontally. So Paul David Tripp has this idea that we, when we're loving God, we're doing things, so submitting or trusting God vertically. But the Bible also calls us to have relationships to that we submit horizontally, which means human to human, people to people. So the the, the Bible has that idea. And so understanding that foundation of what it means to submit to the Lord helps us to submit to, to spe- specific people in our lives here on earth. One of the things the, I read the passage from Proverbs chapter 3 earlier this morning. In that passage, uh, it teaches us that we are to lean on the Lord and put all our trust and follow his paths that he directs for us. And so in that passage, it reminds us of how we are directed. We follow the Lord, and he leads us, and he leads us on a path to be submitting to others on earth. Now, some of us might find it pretty difficult, right? We, we may ha- find it easier to say, okay, I'm going to submit to the Lord. That's good. I understand the Bible calls me to that, but I ain't submitting to anybody here on earth. And sometimes we, we kind of feel that way, right? We, under, we, we understand to submit to God, but submitting to others on earth, I, I just don't know what we can do that. But in Romans chapter 6, one of my favorite passages in the scripture is Romans chapter 6, where it teaches us about how before we were Christians, we were slaves to unrighteousness. But now we've been called to be slaves to righteousness. So we can do this. We can have hope that we can be changed and God can direct us to submit where we're called to do so. It, it isn't going to be easy, right? We're sinful. We are selfish. We want to have our own authority. That, that's just who we are. Even sometimes as Christians, that sin nature still rises to the surface and causes us to make poor choices and decisions when it comes to submitting even. But we are now slaves to righteousness. We are able to do it. We have hope that we can be joyful in our submission even here on earth. One of the things I want to say before I jump into talking about some specifics of of ways that we can submit while we're here on earth is there's a caveat to this, right? To the idea of submission. Submission does not mean that we accept abuse, that we accept um, being called to do sinful actions. So there is a caveat always with this. We submit to God and his word first. So if people that we are submitting to on this earth as authority call us to sin or are abusing us and being oppressive to us, there is openness to reject that type of, of submitting. So I just want to put that caveat in there because it's, sometimes it can be easy to forget that part. So the first group that I want to talk about this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 6. So if you'd move your Bibles over, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 6. So this morning we're going to start by talking to the youngsters in the room, the children. So students and children in the room, we're going to start by talking to you. So let's just read the passage of Scripture first. I think that will help us to understand where Paul is going here. So let's do Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then the last part, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So one of the ways that we can start with today by understanding submission on earth is the idea of children submitting to their parents. Now, we talked on Wednesday night with the students about, like, the broad idea of relationships, and one of the things that can be easy for us to understand is there's, there, especially in the teenage years, there's tension, there's struggle. Uh, but the Bible doesn't give any excuses, you know, beyond what I mentioned with abuse or sin for being able to not submit to your parents. So children, students in the room, I want you to be reminded that there is a foundational truth here of submission to you. That you are called in Scripture to obey your parents. You may not always like what they say. You may not always agree with it, what they're telling you to do or not to do. Uh, but the Bible is clear that, we are, that you are called to submit to the authorities in your life. And one of those specifically for you is, is your parents'. So how you respond to your parents, how you obey your parents, is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I I ask you to honor your parents, even sometimes when you don't feel like it, but do it joyfully, because I know all your parents, and I know that your parents are desiring for you to walk with the Lord first. And they're trying to direct you that way, and they're disciplining you that way, and you're going to mess up, and guess what? Sometimes your parents aren't going to always make the right choices either, and you need to show them some grace in those type of situations. But truly submit to your parents, because that's what the Scripture calls you to do. Pray for them. Be obedient to them. Love your parents. Because when you do that, it reflects the gospel to the world around you, because there's lots and lots of kids that are not obeying and not submitting to their parents. And so you have an opportunity to be a gospel light through the way that you do that. And just a reminder to you, for you that are parents out there, that one of the ways that your children can more easily submit to them is that if you're loving them well, if you're leading them well towards the gospel. So read scripture with them, pray with them, sing songs of praise, bring them to church, do the things that will lead them towards Christ. So it becomes easier for your children, your student, to joyfully submit to you. The second one is one that's been very, very hard for many of us for the last year, year and a half especially, which is the idea of government, submitting to government. So let's talk from Romans chapter 13. Let's see what the Bible has to say. So Romans chapter 13, start in verse 1, Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to do good conduct, but to do bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for good. We'll just stop right there. And so... uh, A good reminder to us today, I I just want to lay this out fully, is that all of us may have different viewpoints on how we should submit in certain ways to government. But one thing I think is clear is that we are called to submit to our government. And so one of the things we need to think about is we need to try our very best to do that. We need to try to keep the peace and try to follow as much as we can. Now, you know, with COVID, with the racial stuff that's going on, with the elections we just had, It can be really easy for us to kind of have tension even amongst ourselves on how we view these things and how we deal with them. But one of the ways I think that we can be strong believers in this room as part of our church body is to learn to show grace to one another, to understand that not all of us are going to have the same conscience on every issue. Um, Some of this stuff is not black and white. Some of this stuff isn't very directly in scripture where we can have an answer from it. So we need to learn to show grace to one another in our differences and again, we need to try our best to submit to government when we can. We need to pick and choose our battles and not make everything the, the end-all issue that we have to deal with. Because the Bible does call us, and even if our political party is not in, in power right now, whatever it may be that it, you're struggling with, I, I know that there's all kinds of things coming down the pipeline with education, uh, with vaccines, with all kinds of stuff that could cause tension and fric- friction for us and, and And I have to admit to you that it's been a hard year for me to follow along with this. It has. It's a struggle. But the Bible calls us to do everything that we can to submit to the authorities because we may not like who the president is or whoever's leading in our state government or in our local governments, but God has placed them there. They are there, and we have to accept that, and we need to try our very best to submit to the governing authorities, even when it is difficult. We should pray for them. We need to respect them as best of the way that we can. And we need, again, we need to show grace to one another when we have differing viewpoints on some of this not necessary black and white stuff. So submitting to government authorities. Also, church leaders. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse Verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So, this, this passage shows that uh, a high standard of integrity for the elders in the way they're leading, because um, basically we are called to give an account for those that we have watch over as our flock. And so, it's a high calling for that. Uh, for those that are leaders. And I, I just have to say that I'm very thankful, again, to be serving in this church with the elders that we have, uh, with those that are serving over all kinds of different ministries. I, I'm just thankful to be a part of a church that has leaders that love the, love the Lord, that love you all, that desire to serve and be a part of a church family that is growing in their faith, being discipled and being sent out to serve as a part of the church. So I'm, I'm thankful for the, the group of elders that we have that are leading here. And so one of the things that it calls us to is to obey our leaders and submit to them. And now we may not agree with every decision uh, that, that the elders and pastors may make, but we still are called to respect them, to submit to them, and understand that what we're trying to do as leaders of the church is try to lead you closer to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... Just a reminder, again, that we are called to, uh, to follow our pastors and elders, to joyfully lead and serve alongside our leaders. And as one of the leaders of the church, I would ask that you would pray for us. I know that you do, but I would continue to ask to do, that you would pray for us. We need, we need prayer as we make decisions, as we lead, um, as we decide on things. Please pray for us. Encourage us as much as you can and as, you, as many of you always do. And continue to serve alongside us so that the ministry of the, of the gospel will go forward. But thank you so much for being a church that really, that I know that you love and you submit to your leaders. We are very thankful for that. So we come to the one that is, is considered probably the most controversial of the idea of the horizontal submission. Uh, which is the idea of wives and husbands. Uh, so if you would go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 for this. We'll start in verse 21. So this is a very talked about one, kind of a controversial one of submission, uh, but I, I believe that this is one of the most uh, glorious doctrines, one of the most glorious parts of scripture that teach us about the metaphor of, of Christ in the church, the idea of, of the submission of wives to husbands. So we'll start in verse 21 because I think this is a good place to start. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And this is a general idea of submission. It it refers back to verse 14 of chapter 5, where it's talking about walking in the wisdom of Christ. And one of the ways that we can walk in that wisdom of Christ is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so what he does is he starts with this broad idea of submission, that we are called everyone to, to sacrifice and to give up for one another, submit to one another. But then he directs us towards some specific ways. I already talked about one of them, right, with the children in chapter six. He also talks about slaves with their masters after the the, the section with children. So he give us he went from abroad, and he comes to a narrow understand more of a narrow understanding of 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 submission. So what we see here in verse 22, let's start there. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Now, this isn't very popular in culture, but I will say to you that that's what I believe that the scripture is teaching us this morning, is that wives are to submit to their husbands. And this does not look like what You might sound like to you. It's not this idea, again, of oppression, of control, of telling them what to do all the time. It is an idea of what it says in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up to her. The bigger thing here is for the men, for the husband. The husband is to love his wife like christ loved the church is there anybody in this room that's a husband that can raise your hand and say that you do that that you can love can you love your wife like christ loves the church that is that is a standard above all standards and that's that is the standard for by why the husbands how husbands are supposed to lead they are to lead sacrificially they are to lead with love they are to lead their wives and their children towards Christ. Everything is directed at serving, right? Because that's what Christ did. He gave up his life for us. So that's the type of way that they lead. It's not, it's not a leading of oppression and making every decision and everything happens that is only done by the husband. That's not, the, that's not what it's talking about here. It also is not an equality issue in the fact that the Bible is clear in Genesis chapter 1 that male and female are created equal. We are equal image bearers of God. It also is not an equality issue when it comes to salvation. Galatians 3, 28 and 29 make it very clear that when it comes to salvation, there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek. You know that passage? So it's a reminder to us that this isn't an equality issue. It's not like this caste system that men are up here and women are down here. It's nothing to do with that. It's the idea that God has created this beautiful design within marriage to represent Christ in the church. It's a beautiful picture. It's not meant to be something ugly. And then you see here in this passage, because often people, one of the arguments that will be made against this idea of, of man, the, the husband being the head is the idea that maybe that was just part of the patriarchal Old, the old New Testament life where it doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter anymore today. It doesn't exist anymore. But I want you to be reminded this passage anchors that idea in the fact that as Christ is head of the church— so the husband is the head of the house. That is something that can't be taken away. You can't change that. You can't get rid of the headship of Christ. So in order for that to be true, you would have to take away the headship of Christ. He anchors it very deeply in that, so we know that 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 is true. So we know that the husband is called to lead, and so again, I I want to, to read further, and I'll start in verse 25 again. This is the role of the husband. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such things, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Again, there's so much deep love and sacrifice not control and oppression, not trying to like, put this casteism, this leadership. It has nothing to do with that. So wives, yes, this might seem like it's anti-culture. What we're, what, it might seem hard to you. Maybe this isn't something that you agree with or have dealt with in the past. But I want you to be reminded that your husband is not leading with tyranny and oppression or demanding spirit. He is supposed to be loving you, cherishing you, treasuring you, leading you towards Christ. That's, that's what submission, that's the, the leadership, the headship, that is what it's talking about. So wives, I know this may seem difficult, it may not seem cultural, it might not seem right to you, but this is the way the Bible teaches us, and we must go with, submit to its authority on this topic. And if you want to know and be reminded this morning of how to do that, remind yourself of what Christ did. Christ submitted himself to the Father, time after time after time, throughout Uh, The New Testament and and throughout the Gospels. And so there's there's your good reminder. If you want to to submit, submit like Christ did to the Father. Husbands, don't forget what your standard is. Your standard is to love your wife like Christ loves the church. That's your standard. You're not always going to live up to it. It's not always going to be easy. But the Bible clearly calls you to sacrificially love your wife in a way that makes it easy for her to joyfully submit to you. It should be so easy for your wife to do this. It should not have any, they shouldn't have any issue because of the way that you're leading them. And so, wives and husbands, that passage is speaking to you this morning. Here, here were some very specific biblical ways that we can submit horizontally. We are called to submit. That is a way of being a follower of Christ, is to submit to God and his will and submit to the ways that the Bible calls us to, even here on earth. They may not be popular, it may not be easy, but Christ has set the foundation for us, that even through suffering, we are called to submit. Would you put up that picture for me, Patty? Thanks. So um, many of you may not know who this is, but this is a lady named Hannah Moore. Hannah Moore was uh, in the late 1700s and early 1800s in England. Um, she uh, was a, an author. Uh, she was a follower of Christ. Um, she was most well known for being a part of the abolition movement with William Wilberforce and John Newton and those. She was really well known for that. She wrote on it. Uh, she actually was one of the ones that convinced William Wilberforce to take this bill to the English Parliament. And so Hannah Moore, um, the thing that was, she was most well-known for in her life was she was very convictional about her beliefs, but she did it in a joyful way. Because sometimes, you know, I have to even admit my own self sometimes, with my own conviction, sometimes I can be a little harsh with it and some of the things I say, but Hannah was known for believing these things in a joyful manner. People loved to be around her. They loved to hear her speak. They loved to hear her writings because she was always just so joyful in the way she did it. Even though she had strong, firm beliefs, she was joyful in it. And so that she, her life is a reminder to us today that even when we have strong beliefs about what we're supposed to, how we're supposed to be living as Christians, we don't just do it gritting our teeth and, and just do it out of a, a, you know, road obedience. We do it with a joyful heart. One of the, ver- the very first fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is to have joy, right? Joy, we are called as Christians to be joyful. And it's not just joyful when things are going well, right? Even time, in times of suffering, even in times of hardship, even when it's hard for us to submit, we are called to have joy in our hearts as we do it. Um, if you want to flip your Bible to James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, so they may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So again, count it all joy, my brothers, even when you have trials of various kinds. Even in deep trial and struggle, you, we can have joy. Even when it's hard for us to submit to whoever it is that we're talking about. Even if it's to God and his word, but even more so to the people here on earth where that, that can get really hard for us to do. We are called to have, tr- to have joy. It may not be easy to submit, but we're called to do so. And then lastly, in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Last verse for today. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. This is the ending of the writings of Paul in, in the book of Romans. He's finishing up one of the last chapters of the book here. The so Romans chapter 15, verse 13. As he has just finished talking about the great hope that we have For the Jews and the Gentiles, the great hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is how he finishes, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. We have a God of hope that fills us with joy through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So if you're struggling this morning to submit to the Lord, to his word, to the horizontal ways that we talked about in any of those ways, if you're struggling with that, keep reminding yourself first of what Jesus did in his submission, but also be reminded that you have a God of hope who leads you through the Holy Spirit to have joy in the way that you're living for him. Let us have more joy in the way that we submit in our lives. Let us, let us do it with a, a heart that is beaming and showing the world how much we love to submit to God and His Word and to the people He calls us to submit to. We are called to do it vertically, and we are called to do it horizontally in our submission. And we are called to do it with great joy. There are many people in this world that see this word as a dirty word, this word submission. But we as Christians see it differently. It is a part of who we are as Christians to submit so let us go from here today and do it joyfully. Would you stand with me as we pray? Lord, I thank you for this opportunity uh, to really dig deep into your word about this, this word submission. Uh, Lord, it, it, it's a hard topic. It's, it's some that could cause tension and, and struggle. And we sometimes... Don't like to do it in certain areas, but Lord, this is what your word says, and we want to submit to your word. And so help us to do that, Lord. Help us to do it joyfully. Help us to be a great witness to the world by the way that we submit, even in times of hardship, even when times when we don't feel like doing it. And Lord, I just pray for every, every person in this room, and just whatever thoughts they may have from the different topics that we addressed this morning, and I pray that you will help us to be wise and discerning in the ways that we think about your word on these topics. Just uh, help us to, to move forward today in a way that is joyful in our lives as Christians. That we can have hope in the fact that, that, that you set the example to us on what it means to submit. Uh, Lord, if you, Lord, you didn't, didn't have to do this for us. You didn't have to come to this earth. You did not have to die on the cross for us, we don't deserve it, we didn't earn it, but Lord, you submitted to the the will of the Father, and you did that for us. And so Lord, we thank you so much for your submission to the God, the Father, in order that we can have eternal life and be saved from our sins. And help us to take that reminder and that example and put it into practice in our lives and help us to be joyful submitters as we move from here. As we go to worship you in song now, Lord, I pray that we will be reminded of your great faithfulness and that we will learn and be reminded and challenged and encouraged today to surrender all to you as our Lord and Savior. We pray all this in your great and gracious name. Amen.